0: Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11. We began a new series last week entitled Unprecedented, Unprecedented, and we uh, shared a message on God doing a new thing, and God is a God who does the unprecedented. He blows our minds, doesn't he, sometimes by doing what he hasn't done before, and uh um, I want to share with you, as I said, from Acts chapter 11 today as we share the second message in this series. We're going to begin reading the first four verses. It says, The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him And said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. You know, we human beings, we have a tendency to um, develop patterns of thinking, don't we? And uh, some might call them ruts. (laughs) But uh, we develop patterns of thinking, and you know this, you... Uh, observe other people, and uh, whether it's a family member or an acquaintance, and if you have a history with them, uh, you know, through various situations, you can see that by and large, the pat- their pattern of thinking holds steady. You know? You, you know what I'm talking about? You ever know someone and you, you theorize, boy, if such and such a situation arose, I can tell you exactly how so-and-so would respond. Can I tell you something? Your friends are saying the same thing about you. <laughs> because none of us are immune to that. And um, what can sometimes, uh, you know, attach, or we feel attach more weight to that is sometimes we, we attach the word of God to that or our understanding of the word of God on a certain subject. And, and before you know it, we have, um, we have viewpoints that... Uh, our so-called spiritual viewpoints, uh, but they're based on our interpretation or our particular take on the Word of God. And uh, lo and behold, another believer might have a different take, another believer who loves the Lord. And so we, we, we have patterns of, of thinking and behaving based on those patterns of thinking. Here in Acts chapter 11, uh, after the... Um, Uh, events of chapter 10, which I'll refer to, um, it it says here that the apostles and the brothers uh, throughout Judea, in other words, the Jewish believers and leaders, uh, heard that Peter in chapter 10 had been to the house of a Gentile, had associated with and fellowshiped with and eaten with, eating of course with someone was and still is a great uh, indicator of of acceptance and fellowship. And uh, they level a charge at him, and now in our day and age it might not seem like much, it certainly doesn't, but, uh, and precisely because of what happened here, But the charge was you went into the house of uncircumcised men, in other words, non-Jews, Gentiles, and ate with them. Uh, Peter, you have a lot of explaining to do. And what we find in Peter's explanation, as he reflects back on the events of Acts uh, chapter 10, was that God had set in motion a series of events to change the pattern of thinking of Peter and the other apostles, the other leaders in the early church. And that change in direction uh, has reverberations for us today, thankfully 2,000 years later. So the title of my message today, as we continue this second message in the series, Unprecedented, the title of today's message is A New Direction. Last week we talked about a new thing. This is a new direction. And sometimes God has to redirect us. It's the point what I want to make. Sometimes he has to change our thinking a little bit. Because contrary to what many of us may think about ourselves, we haven't quite gotten it all figured out sometimes. You ever come to that realization? All right. So uh, the question I want to answer in the next few minutes is, what does God use to take us in a new direction? What does God use to take us in a new direction? Uh, The first thing that he uses is God uses divine vision. Divine vision. Look at verse 5 of uh, Acts 11. Peter says in his explanation, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord, nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. So Peter begins his explanation by telling them of a a vision he had. He was staying in the house, a house by the sea, the house of a man named Simon, who was a tanner by trade. I'm going to talk more about that in a few minutes. And he says he was praying, and it was about the sixth hour. Um, and this was not one of the appointed times of prayer, but pious Jews prayed three times daily. And so he was praying, and it says he was hungry. Now, I don't know about you, it's hard to do a lot of things when you're, when you're hungry, but prayer is at the top of the list, right? Right? You know, probably like some of you, if we're praying at the end of a service and it's lunchtime, hey, I want you know, sometimes it's hard to pray. Well, Peter was hungry, but he was praying. And it says he fell into a trance. He had a vision. And uh, in this vision, a sheet uh, was let down from heaven by its four corners, and it contained four-footed animals, reptiles, and birds. And the important point that we need to catch here is that In this sheet that was let down from heaven, there were uh, what were known to the Jews, uh, according to Jewish law, as clean animals and unclean animals. The Old Testament law had very specific uh, regulations about which animals uh, were considered clean and therefore uh, were acceptable for the Jews to eat and which were considered unclean. And this sheet contained both. And he heard a voice that said to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And his response, talk about patterns of thinking. His response was typical Peter. Not so, Lord, uh, as the King James Version says. Or the New American Standard Bible says, by no means, Lord, surely not, Lord, the NIV says. Peter had a habit of saying no to the Lord. Do you know that? When, uh, when uh, Jesus was prophesying his crucifixion, Peter said, no way. Then remember at the Last Supper when uh, Jesus wanted to wash Peter's feet? Remember what he said? No, no way, Lord, no way. Of course, Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Then Peter said, oh, just wash, wash me all over then, you know. So this was typical Peter. God's, why did he say that? Well, because he was obeying the law as he understood it, as God had established it. And this happened three times. And God's answer to him was, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. Now, what was the meaning of this? Well, there were two things that God was getting across to Peter by means of this vision. The first was the abolishment of the ceremonial dietary laws. There were very specific laws, as I said, about what they could eat. And Jesus had hinted at this when he asked the disciples what defiles a man more, what goes into his uh, body or what comes out. And Jesus uh, said what defiles him more is what comes out because he talked about impurities and the things of the heart. Whereas what goes in... Exits the body and does no harm. So Jesus had hinted at this, and God was doing away with the ceremonial dietary restrictions. Keep in mind uh, the relationship of the New Testament or the New Covenant to the Old. The Old is valuable, but the New supersedes the Old. We need to understand that. But the second and, and more significant Truth that God was communicating to Peter in this vision was the abolishment of the distinction between the Jews, so-called holy, and the Gentiles, the unholy. He was abolishing that restriction. Paul talked about this later in Ephesians chapter 3 when he called the Gentiles fellow heirs of the blessings in Christ. This was revolutionary uh, because prior to this, uh, prior to the book of Acts, when a Gentile wanted to be part of the household of faith, he had to go through the process of circumcision, become a, uh, a pro, what was called a proselyte uh, to the Jewish faith. But there was a sea change now taking place. And God, uh, uh, God uh, communicated this through a vision. With the fulfillment of the law in Christ... Things were changing. Vision has been defined as the ability to see things which are not. In 1845, the First Baptist Church of Augusta, Georgia placed this inscription in their building to honor their founding fathers, men who see the invisible, hear the inaudible, believe the incredible, and think the unthinkable. When God wants to move us in a new direction, Sometimes he has to do some convincing, doesn't he? And so how did he do that with Peter? He did that through a vision. Uh, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Well, Pastor Tim, how do we receive vision? Through prayer. What was Peter doing when he saw this vision? He was praying. He was talking to God. Pastor Tim, God never speaks to me. Well, how often do you talk to him? Beyond... You know, bless this food, amen, and let Johnny arrive safely at his destination. How, how often do you talk to him? God can direct us through vision. Now, we may not have a vision in the sense that Peter did, a literal vision, but God often has us visualize the new and exciting things he has in store for us. Remember in Genesis when God said to Abraham, he said, look at the stars in the sky. And he said, your descendants, this old man who was childless with his wife, they were up in years, they were childless. God told him, look at the stars in the sky. If you could number the stars in the sky, you'll be able to number your descendants. Because that's how many descendants you're going to have. He gave him a visual picture of what he was going to do. And, and, and God can speak to us, whether a literal vision or just a... a uh, an object lesson in life, God can give us a picture of what he wants to do. God has given me uh, visions about this church and, and, and the direction he wants to take us. In uh, the last three years, it's, it's been challenged a lot, but I'm still holding on to it. Matter of fact, uh, when I went to visit Francis in the hospital yesterday, he said that uh, yesterday morning he was resting and they had him sitting up in the chair and he had his eyes closed. And he saw a vision of Jesus reaching out to him. And he said, I opened my eyes and I closed them again and he was still there. And he said, I did it a third time. Opened my eyes, looked around, closed them. He was still there. I said to him, well, that's the Lord's way of letting you know that he's still there for you and he will be there for you. God, I believe, can give us a vision, a fresh vision a picture of where he wants to take us. And you may be in a place in your life where you say, you know, I, I'm, I'm just happy to get through the week and get to the weekend, you know. Uh, but God doesn't want you to live that way. God has something new. How many know what I'm talking about? How many have had God drop a vision into your heart? A picture of where he wants to take you. And sometimes that happens and, you know, life happens and things go on and we forget that and we... Uh, we forget that God has given us that vision. Hold on to what God gives you. He speaks to us through vision. What's the second thing God uses? He uses divine command. Divine command. Look at verse 11. It says, right then, Peter's explaining now, right then three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me and we entered the man's house. So after the vision, three men arrive at the house and tell Peter that a man named Cornelius, a centurion in the Roman army named Cornelius has sent for him. Now, uh, Peter might not have been disposed to go with three strangers who appeared at the door. Okay? I mean, how many of you would leave your home the three strangers come to your door and say, come with us, unless they had badges or something. And even then, you'd want to look at those, uh, that, that uh, identification, wouldn't you? But the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, go with these men. Uh, and the original Greek says, uh, without distinction or without misgivings. See, Peter would have normally been disinclined to go with them but God spoke to him and said, these men are sent by me. Go with them. And so he takes six brothers along with him, six six Christian brothers along with him, and uh, in both Egyptian law and Roman law, seven uh, witnesses were needed to document an event. And so he takes witnesses with him and does what God told him to do. I remember back in 1997, Uh, we had been hearing about a revival that was going on in in Florida, down in Brownsville. Any of you remember the Brownsville revival? Uh, It was a five-year revival. It began on Father's Day 1995, lasted until 2000. An evangelist came to speak and ended up staying for five years. And over 100,000 people gave their lives to the Lord. And um, this was right at the midpoint of that five year period. we have been hearing about it and, and uh, m- my wife was interested and I was interested and I, I remember praying. I remember it was a Thursday morning. I, w- I remember in my devotional time praying and God said to me, you need to go down there. So I did something that was very uncharacteristic. I, I uh, quickly arranged for a speaker for that Sunday. This was three days before Sunday. Arranged for a guest speaker. We, we got a flight uh, down there, and we went down there. And let, let me tell you something. I grew up in Pentecost. My earliest memories were in revival services. But I saw at that revival things I'd never seen in my entire life. People lining up on a Saturday morning, 9 o'clock in the morning, lining up with beach chairs, for the service at 7 p.m. that night. Yeah, wow. I saw God move, I saw God do amazing things. And, 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 and we came back from that revival, those, uh, another, some other friends went with us, and uh, we, we just shared what, what God had done, and God initiated a great move and great revival in our church at that time. We had young people being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and God doing amazing things in our services because God used that to impact myself as the pastor and, and our church body. And you know, when, and I got criticized, by the way, for, for leaving in a hurry and, and uh, you know, how could you do that? But when God tells you to do something, you better do it. Can I tell you that? God tells you to do something you better do it. And you know we we become too we we too easily can brush off the voice of God. And and if 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 you're a believer for any length of time and you seek God and you've uh, and, and you felt God giving you—I didn't hear an audible voice, but it's an impression of God's Spirit. You feel God speaking to you, and you know that's God. You dare not, and I dare not, brush that off and just say, oh, well, it's you know something I ate last night," or uh, you know, no, that was just. Uh, you can pray, and you can confirm that's the word of the Lord. But if God tells you to do something; you better do it. Might involve speaking to someone about Jesus. Might involve starting a ministry might involve saying some, something to someone at a particular time. And, and, and as we said last week, God will never tell you to do something that violates his word. His word is the, is, the, is the standard. But it's not a dead letter. And God is moving, amen? And God will tell you to do something, you better, you better do it. And so when God wants to take us in a new direction, he will uh, speak to us. He will give us an impression. He will will send something into our path that will let us know that He is speaking to us. And so we need to obey the voice of God. I believe God wants us to be so sensitive to His Holy Spirit. And I believe that's a great prayer to pray. Lord, make me sensitive to Your Spirit. Let, let, Let it be that the slightest word that You give to me, I immediately obey. Amen? What, does God, what has God been speaking into your life? Don't brush it off. Don't push it aside. God uses divine command. Thirdly, God uses divine preparation. Look at verse 13. Uh, Peter goes on. He says, he told us how he had seen, this is the Roman centurion, Cornelius. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. Who was this man, Cornelius? Well, Acts 10 tells us he was a centurion, which means he was over a hundred men. He was a centurion of the Italian regiment, and he was in a peacekeeping force at Caesarea, which was about 30 miles north of Joppa, where Peter was. He was a devout and God-fearing man. He was probably what was known as a proselyte of the gate, which means he followed Jewish laws, but was still outside the Jewish community. He had not been circumcised as the Jews were. It tells us in Acts 10, he was generous, he gave to the Jewish people, and he was a man of prayer. And as he was praying, an angel, it says, appeared to him and told him uh, that he was commended before God and told him to send for Peter, and told him where Peter was, at a, at a house in Joppa. So God had prepared this man to hear what God would say through Peter. But I want you to notice something else. It says Peter was staying in the house, as I referenced earlier, of a man named Simon who was a tanner. Okay? Uh, He was by the sea in a place called Joppa. Uh, You know what tanners work with, don't you? Dead animal skins. Well, guess what? Dead animal skins were considered unclean. And yet here's Peter... We don't know how he got there, but he's staying at this man's house. Can you see the preparation? Can you see that God is already working behind the scenes? And that's what God does. He, uh, when he moves us in a certain direction, he's already set the wheels in motion. Remember when he told his disciples to go get the donkey for the triumphal ride into Jerusalem? Jerusalem? And what to say, and the donkey was there, it was ready, just as he said. God is preparing already to do something awesome in our church, in our lives, and in our world. Heard a story about something that happened in the early 2000s in Israel. Uh, There was what was known as the second infatada uprising against Israel. And uh, there was was, a sense of terror among the populace. And uh, there was one family with small children that was having a particularly stressful experience because a lot of the violence was happening close to their home. And at the same time, the father, who was an accomplished uh, rabbi and teacher, had been offered a post in an American Jewish school for two years. And so the family felt that this was uh, from God and they took this position in Florida. And after a few months of their stay in Florida, The parents got a call from their daughter's teacher, and the teacher explained that at one time she had had a rare brain tumor, and the only symptom had been that she had laughed at inappropriate times and for way longer than was appropriate. And the the girl's teacher told the parents that their daughter was exhibiting the same symptoms. And so they took their daughter to the doctor and found out she had that same rare brain tumor and was able to have it removed but God had them move from Israel to Florida to have their daughter in that school with that teacher to diagnose that tumor in time preparation you look in the life of Joseph who was sold into slavery by his brothers And he later said to them, what you did, you meant for evil, but God meant it for good. Why? Because God is already arranging the scene. God is a God of the details. God is a God of the details in your life. And behind the scenes, I want you to know, many times we pray and we think nothing's happening. I want you to know, in the heavenly realm, something is happening. God is moving, God is preparing, and you may may not see the evidence of it yet, you may not see the manifestation of it yet, but God is preparing, God is working, just as he worked behind the scenes for what he would have Peter to do. God is working in uh, our situation. And so when we, when we pray, when we go to him, even though we don't see what's happening, we need to trust him and say, God, I have confidence in you that in this situation, this area of my life, whatever it may be, God, I know you're working. You're preparing things to turn out for my good and for your glory. God uses divine preparation. What's the fourth thing God uses to move us in a new direction? He uses divine action. Verse 15, Peter says, "...as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning." Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then God has granted even the Gentiles, any Gentiles here today, even us, even the Gentiles, God has granted repentance unto life. See this was revolutionary. Peter says, I began to speak, I opened my mouth and he was, uh, was sharing uh, the, the message of Christ's earthly ministry, his death, burial, and his resurrection. And he says, while I was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on them. These Gentiles, how did he know? He heard them speaking in other tongues. The, the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine they interrupted the message? And, and, and Peter uh, said that the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. It's a, it's a phrase used to describe liquid being poured from one vessel uh, to another. And Peter was dumbfounded. This was something that happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Those who were gathered in the upper room, they were all Jews. And God poured out His Spirit on the Jews. And now God is pouring out His Spirit on these uncircumcised Gentiles. Talking about mind being blown. Uh, He he says, and notice the wording, He says, He fell, uh, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as He fell on us at the beginning. And they they didn't have to be baptized in water first which would seem to be the normal uh, progression, or, or the, the normal uh, series of events. And uh, it, it says that, the, the, it verse, chapter 10, verse 45 says, the onlookers were amazed. And, and Peter's response here in verse 16, as he's recounting this, he says... Uh, that he was reminded of the words in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, when Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, uh, said that the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And uh, he said, can anyone prevent them from being baptized in water? And in verse 47, the answer, of course, is no. I'm referring back to chapter 10 now. Now moving back to chapter 11, Peter says this, so I'm preaching, you, you get the picture, I'm preaching this sermon about Jesus, all of a sudden I hear these foreign tongues breaking out, and it was became evident the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he did at the beginning. And uh, Peter's conclusion in verse 17, as he's explaining to this, remember, he's been, he's been uh, you know, hauled on the carpet for, for associating with Gentiles. He says, who was I to stand in God's way? Well, Peter, that's a very good question. Who are any of us to stand in God's way? Sometimes God just comes on the scene and He acts. Sometimes God just comes on the scene and He does something by His mighty power and He blows away all our preconceptions and all our notions. Why? Because He's God. Now, he never violates his word, he never goes against his word, but he does uh, work at odds with our understanding of God's word, because our understanding is never perfect, is it? How many remember Andre Crouch? Awesome music. Andre grew up in a very conservative uh, black uh, Christian denomination. And uh, they were taught in, in that denomination, as, as many uh, you know, Pentecostal denominations taught, that women should never wear uh, makeup and, you know, gaudy jewelry. And that, that just, they were, they were to, to dress very, very plainly. They were adorned themselves very plainly. And, and as he got older, he noticed the ministry of, now I'm going way back with this, but how many remember the ministry of a woman named Catherine Coleman? She was a powerful woman of God. God used her to do mighty mighty miracles. And he observed Catherine Coleman's ministry. She wore makeup, she wore jewelry, she was very flashy and very flamboyant. In other words, according to how Andre Crouch was raised, she broke all the rules. But you know what he noticed? God was using her and people were being healed in her services. And and, and you know, uh, blind eyes were being opened. Deaf ears were being opened. You know, uh, the, 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 the crippled were, were getting up and walking. And God was using her in a powerful way. And he said it blew his mind because she, she, was, dis, she was disobeying the rules. She wasn't, she wasn't doing it the way you were supposed to do it, but God was using her because God just acted. And, 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 and I believe that there are times in our lives when God just will step in and will do things that will blow our minds great man named Thomas Akempis said, man proposes, God disposes. (laughs) God God doesn't always consult us for, for rules on how he should act, does he? Imagine that. He's just God. He's just sovereign. Amen? Psalm 68 verses 1 and 2 says, opposition melts before God. God's divine action serves to validate the direction he has given us in our vision and the commands that he gives us. Uh, as we conclude today, you know, as human beings we're all uh, comfortable with the status quo, especially as it relates to spiritual things. I want to challenge you this morning to begin to seek God in such a way as to be open to a new direction. Maybe God has a new path for your life, a new ministry, something to be involved in, something he would call you to do, What are the things that he uses to lead us in a new direction? First of all, he uses divine vision. I challenge you to spend time in prayer. Spend time seeking God. If, if we want God to do uh, the uh, unprecedented in our lives, we need to spend time in prayer, in his presence. Amen? And God will give you a vision. God will give you a picture many times of what your life will look like when God works and takes you in a new direction. God will many times use a divine command. What is God telling you to do? Let's not brush aside the promptings of the Holy Spirit to speak to someone. Well, that's just a a small thing. Listen, you can speak to someone about Jesus or speak and say what God tells you to do. You don't know the chain of events that could set in motion and what God can do. You don't know. Divine command, what is God calling you to do? Divine preparation. God is always working behind the scenes. When you can't see it, when you can't feel it, when you don't want to believe it, God is working. Believe that and trust in him. And fourthly, God uses divine action. There are times when God just steps in, amen? You ever had God just step in on your behalf? You ever have God just do something and you just, you just look up and wonder and say, God, you're amazing. God will do all these things and more. Are you and I open to moving in a new direction?